0: Welcome to the Podcast.com. The topic this week is Grace and Truth with Pastor Chris Hiddle. Awesome Angie has got two new team members on our program, Laura and Yolanda. Welcome everybody as we start the podcast.
1: Welcome to the God Focused Podcast. I am your hostess, Awesome Angie Engstrom, because I honor the awesomeness in each one of you. And today, our topic is... Grace and truth. And before you go run off, uh, stick around because um, if we can be honest as believers, we all sin. You know, we we all fall short. And we're going to talk real talk today about God's grace and truth because we don't have to live in that sin. We don't need to live in that place. We we have Christ in us as believers and we have power to run and to flow with and to love on one another. And we're going to have some real conversations today. Um, Cause a lot of times we can get stuck in that stuff that causes us to fall short. And we're going to talk honestly, find yourself in this conversation and, um, Because we want to get you unstuck so we can stay focused on God and keep loving one another. So, MJ, take it away. Introduce our, we have a guest speaker today. Go ahead, MJ. Thanks,
0: awesome, Angie. Well, I met Pastor Chris many years ago. He was the associate pastor at the church I was attending. And we got a chance to pray together many, many times because we were both on the prayer team one of the greatest times I had with him was standing around a campfire when we went to a men's conference together and just talking about the Lord and our backgrounds and all that great stuff. And I just love him so much because he leans into everything he does. He is anointed. He is one of the, one of those persons that will always say, Hey, I can help out. What, what can I help? Let me jump in and help out here. That's what he does. And I see God in him through and through. So Welcome to the God-Focused Podcast, Pastor Chris Heddle. Pastor, how are you doing this morning? Hey. Welcome, everybody. Hey.
1: Welcome.
2: Welcome. Hey. Doing very well.
0: Thanks
1: for uh,
2: the introduction, Mike. Well, you know, you mean a lot to me, and
0: you, I, I know I've uh, said that to you on many times when we've talked on the phone. And thanks for the last two weeks talking about this topic because I mm-hmm. think it's heavy on your heart. And so I can't wait to get into it with you and everybody else who's on the team here wants to throw us, you know, something on the table. So let's get at it. So let's talk
2: about this topic of grace and truth. And what have you been seeing in that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, I mean, you set it up really well, just in that conversation of how we met. So, um, Mike, you're totally right. You and I met um, at our church in Illinois. And I think one of the, one of the most impactful pieces of that season that I got to spend with you guys was actually just working with um, our lead pastor, Pastor Jim. And I'm sure as you're now kind of thinking back on our time together, um, the idea of grace and truth was something that was very, very personal to Pastor Jim. And then as well became very personal um, to me under his leadership. And I know we would often talk about like know what is what is grace what is truth you know what are these christian ideas of like justification or sanctification or righteousness and you know i think in our place especially in our world right now we need to become kind of the chief explainers of some of these concepts because whether we recognize it or not a lot of our friends our neighbors their children they've grown up in homes where they haven't, maybe their parents haven't, or their grandparents have never been to church before. And so in a sense, like these generations have no, if you wanna call it a gospel memory. And so that's why I say, I think we need to become the, the chief explainers. But when we talk about grace and truth, um, I, you know, I've often defined grace as that unmerited or undeserved favor or privilege that God gives us um, through Jesus. You know, he sent Jesus to die for us. Um, While we were still sinners, you know, as Paul says in the book of Romans in chapter five, while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us so that we might be made perfect through his sacrifice. Um, You know, the book of Romans is, is a pretty cool book, I think, especially just for the season that we're in as believers. You know, Paul wrote the book of Romans to the church in Rome because for five years, the Jewish Christians were forced out of Rome. And so the Gentile church and the Jewish church, like they were they were divided. They were divorced because of some Roman politics that were going on. And after five years, they are able to come back together, and they had to really figure out, like, what does it mean to live together as a community of believers again? And so Paul's book of Romans, this actually a letter, is really almost like Paul's best explanation of what a life of faith should look like. Um, of course, he's writing it to Christians, so we don't get a full gospel story, you know, the biography about Jesus, um, but he makes some of those um, assumptions that, you know, these people already know about that. And so as he walks through the first few chapters, Paul's really just making this um, declaration of what the gospel is about, why it should bring about community. And he does it because the church needs to figure out how to live together again. And I feel like, man, what a great story for the American church right now, maybe even the church globally, about we've been through a year of political strife. We've been through a year of isolation because of the pandemic you know, there's been racial tension, there's economic tension for all of these reasons. What a better letter for us to read right now than a book about unity and coming together under the umbrella of grace, God's favor for us. And so Paul really starts to like dig into that in chapter five. Um, I'm just looking at chapter five, five, verse two, he says, through him who we have gained access to by faith, into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope and glory of God. Not only so because we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and it does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our, so you see that plurality, our hearts, through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us, again, that plurality of Paul's talking to an entire group of people, not just one, and so there's this beautiful idea that grace is something we can stand in. And so as Paul goes through chapter five, he starts talking about you know how did sin really enter the world? It came through Adam, who him and Eve, the proto- the prototype humans in a sense, um, the very best of creation. Um, some scholars would say you know they they busted creation, they they broke it, they gave into the deceiver and they welcomed imperfection, what we a lot of times in the church call sin, into the world. But then Paul talks, you know, then there's Jesus. Jesus is the perfect Adam. He writes every wrong. He creates an avenue for us to experience a perfect Eden. And again, one day, obviously, as believers, we, we believe that creation will be renewed, and we get to stand in it with heaven as perfect people. And then Paul jumps into chapter six. And this is where um, I think Paul's attitude in the book really shifts because he's going from this explanation of grace. And then he says, what shall we say then? In 6 verse 1, shall we go on sitting, sinning so that Jesus's grace might increase? And he says, by no means, exclamation point. Absolutely not. There's no reason we should. And this is where that 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 concept of grace and truth just really gets really rich because Paul's talking about an attitude That he didn't invent Jesus in the Gospels and in John's biography. um, It says that Jesus came from the Father into the world, exemplifying grace and truth. So, again, that idea that we have favor from Jesus while we're still sinners, we have this privilege that we can live in the power of Christ to overcome. And that's the truth that we've been given a power to overcome sin, any imperfection in our life. And so I guess that really begs the question for us, like, what is sin? Well, sin, as Paul talks about later, is it's the, it's the wages of death. Like death is the, is the outcome of sin, our imperfection. And so, you know, we can see, okay, so sin is death. Well, what does that mean? Like sin is, if if sin is death, then loneliness is the death or, or yeah. Loneliness is the death of community. Disease is the death of health, you know, you, you can keep going like dissatisfaction is the death of comfort or contentment you know there's so many deaths we experience um I mean I even think right now like the epidemic in our in our society of not just this this COVID-19 but as we think of divorce and family that's the death of commitment the death of relationship the death of a covenant that two people made and how impactful has that been on our society and so Paul's sitting here talking about, hey, there is grace, there is favor, there is understanding, but there's also power that there's a truth for us to live in. And so what's that truth? Paul starts to break it down in chapter six. He talks about this idea of slavery. You know, we we were once slaves to sin. We were bought or owned by sin. But because Jesus died in our place, we were bought by his blood instead. We were bought by his sacrifice on the cross. And then now we, since we were bought, we were purchased by that sacrifice. Our new master is obedience to righteousness through faith in Christ. So we don't have to serve our old owner sin anymore. And, you know, the idea of slavery and freedom and sin is sometimes lost on us in our, in our society because, you know, by God's grace, there have been some great men and women over the years that have worked to eradicate or emancipate if we want to um, get historical on this. But the cool thing here is like, we still have a context. So we all have jobs. So let's say we had a job that, man, we just hate it. You know, we, we think it's terrible. We just want to get out of it. Our boss is burdensome. Well, we have a new job offer. We get to live in the corporation of the kingdom of heaven. The CEO is the triune God, the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. We get to go work for Jesus. But sometimes in our lives, we still get caught thinking we still are employed by our own our own our own employer and we maybe go back we start driving down the highway and we end up getting off on the wrong off ramp well we get stuck in this mentality that because i got off on the wrong off ramp i have to put in a full day's work over there or maybe two days work or three days work um the sin that paul's talking about here he says shall we go on sinning it's that idea of habitual sin the sins that we are always stuck in um And this is something that's sensitive to me. I mean, Andrew, you opened up this morning saying, "Like, hey, let's be honest. It's going to be a real conversation." Um, For me in my life, um, pornography, masturbation, sexual sin has been something that's stuck and hung around. When I was four years old, I was first exposed um, to sexual content, and I have learned in my life, whether I recognized it at a time or not, that that is a sexual trauma, and that has hung with me throughout my life. But the beauty of coming to Christ is that yes, you know what, I've lived too much of my life stuck in those sin patterns, but I get to learn a new pattern. At the end of chapter six, Paul talks about, thanks be to God that you have been given a new pattern to live in. So today, as we're talking about grace and truth, we can even talk about giving up old patterns, old habits, and starting to learn and become obedient to new patterns and new habits. And through God's grace, I've had pastors counselors, a spouse who is, who have all been more than understanding and supportive. I've had, um, officials within my denomination who have been a champion, um, for me in these areas of life, but man, that's like, I, I just say pornography, masturbation, cause that's a low hanging fruit. Like that's one that we all, we all know about a lot of us have experienced, but we don't like to talk about because in our Christian circle, sexuality is a dirty thing to think about. Um, but what other ways do, can we express that? mean, maybe some hate fantasies, like how often do we get caught in a thought process? We wake up in the morning or the middle of the night about something that just really tees us off. And we start to imagine a conversation that we could have with a person and really stick it to them. Well, that, that's a habitual sin. Let's, you know, you don't want to live in that either. Um, obviously, again, there's the low hanging fruit of substance abuse. There's the low hanging fruit of alcoholism. But what about gossip? What about lying to posture yourself in a place where people might respect you a little bit more? You know, what about exaggerating stories? Like that is, that is still a habitual habit that is sinful. It's not what God has for us. And here's the beauty is that when we get stuck in these patterns, when we recognize it, we can look at it and say, lying, gossip, pornography, you're not my master. I don't have to work for you today. And we can turn around and because essentially we're telling ourselves like, that doesn't own me. I am not owned by that. I am no longer a slave. I have been freed from you. I'm going to go work for my father who loves me. You know, what a great example even we have in the biographies of Jesus. When we think about the prodigal son, the guy who sold out or bought out his dad's inheritance and went and squandered it all and then came back, he realized, I don't, I can't live here. I can't live here anymore. All this is going to buy me. If I live away from my father who loves me and cares for me, all I'm going to earn in this life is death, sorrow, dissatisfaction, frustration, poverty, and disappointment. But if I go home and at least work for my dad, I don't even have to be a son again, but if I go work for him, I am going to be way better off than I ever thought I would be living this independent life that I thought would give me everything I wanted, but fell short. And so Paul ends chapter six with just that sort of story. He says, let me look for it really quick. You know, he says he's using this um, slavery example because it's something we understand in his modern day. But then he says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit? What did you earn? What did you reap from that time, from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. And again, we think of death as a... um, in, in any form death to a relationship death to comfort death to fulfillment any sort of death you want to put on there all those things led to death but now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves or workers of god the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord and that's the, the coolest thing that I think grace and truth can really mean to us is that, yes, God has an understanding. Again, I'm going to almost say the same thing. God has an understanding for where we've been, but that's not what he died to keep us in. Jesus' didn't, death wasn't to enable us to continue to live out the things that turn us further and further away from Christ. He died so that we wouldn't be owned by them. He died for us so that we could be freed from them and live in the more mature Christ-centered whole version of ourselves that God made us to be. Like that, that is a beautiful thing that we come into this world broken. Jesus looks at us and he says, I have a plan and a purpose for you, one to prosper you out of your suffering so that you can be my holy people. There are very few things in scripture that ever get called holy. And God, the Father, the Spirit, are three of them. The fourth one that gets called holy is us, but it's through the process of coming to know and understand the Lord. It's through the process of becoming righteous, moving away from sin. And the word holy, I believe, is so cool here because at the very beginning of creation, God created us to be his co workers and his partners. We're in his image. So God is walked by Jesus, God is walking us back into the truth that we were meant to be the best of him. We were meant to be powerful, to be a purifying force in our society, to um, live in a, in communally, God is holy. He is one with himself in the Trinity. We were meant to be whole, we were meant to be complete. And that is what God is walking us towards. So that, you know, I'm sure in, in a lot of different ways you're hearing my passion for that, we need to recognize this because it's only been since I've really realized that my ownership doesn't belong to sin, but my ownership belongs to this holy life that God is walking me towards. I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect. I am not hundred percent like ready for heaven, but God is walking me step-by-step step daily close to that. And it's through that, you know, cathartic process of when I feel tempted, where, when it, whether it's um, a sexual expression or whether it's I'm angry with my wife because she criticized my parking in a parking lot. Or I get frustrated with Felix because he stuck his hand down his pants and now I've got laundry and a diaper to change. You know, there's all sorts of ways that this expresses itself. But in the moment, I can say, I am not a slave to my anger. I am not a slave to my disappointment that my wife doesn't love the way I park the car. I am not a slave to these urges. I am a worker. I have been appointed to work for God. And it changed, it's drastically changed the dynamic of how I view my place in this life. And when we understand our place, we understand our character. We understand more of who God is. Um, I want to pause there because I'm sure there's at least one or two things I've shared um, that our team has some questions about. So I'm happy, happy to answer them. Um, but I know as any pastor does, when you work off of a script, you end up just going longer and longer and longer. So I'm going <laughs> to put the pause on myself.
1: Awesome. Thanks. Um. Well, we've got several listeners here. Um, we can go. Let's go down the list and start with Kevin. Any questions at the moment, or what's on your heart to right. you share? So
3: uh, this is uh, this is Kevin, and I kind of want to speak to the idea of uh, grace in relation to sin. Um, mm-hmm. And see if see if I am capturing this correctly. Uh, yeah. So you know for for a long time i've always felt like i was you know i would do something that i i knew was wrong yeah. i would think something that i knew was wrong you know i i i knew i was less than perfect i knew that there were things that about me that were uh things I didn't want. I wanted to get rid of them, but no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't ever be perfect. I couldn't get myself. I, you know, it was like, if I, if I would have an impulse or a thought or something, I'd work on that and get that taken care of. And then there'd be something else that popped up, you know, some other, some other issue. And it was always there, you know, I just didn't see it necessarily. And what I kind of realized is that grace Grace is given to us, and, and, and uh, this is my understanding of it, right? Grace is given to us through Christ, and it is a way for us. Uh, it, is, it is given to us even before, right, we even commit a sin, right? It's, it's literally when we accept Christ as our Savior, that's when we receive grace, right? So mm-hmm. as we go through our life and we and we struggle, right, we struggle with this idea of, hey, you know, I'm trying to be perfect. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to, you know, be godly in my, my laws or my, my actions, you know, uh, we already have grace, right? We, God is already through Christ and his sacrifice. He's, he has basically said, you're, you're, you're one of mine, right? You're, you are, you are my child and I love you and I'm here to support you and encourage you. And, uh, what what before i would always think of it's like gosh i just i i'm never good enough i can't do this well enough i'm always falling short and it was a very it was a very difficult place to be it was very stressful because it was very much a wrestling match uh of you know i want to do good but yet i don't do good and what i've come to kind of, kind of realize is Well, really the wrestling match was done by Christ and, uh, and it doesn't need to be stressful. I just need to accept the gift that he's given us, uh, given me specifically. Right. And through that, through that idea that I can't be perfect. I can't, um, I, you know, it's, the term is self-righteous, right? I, this idea that, I can on my own, on my own strength, I can be strong enough. I can be good enough on my own. And that is, that's what I would call self-righteousness. And you know, when we, when we let go of this idea of being self-righteous, when we kind of acknowledge no matter what I do, I'm going to fall short of perfect. I'm going to fall short of being what I want to be. And I'm going to, for me to get where I want to go, I have to let go of this idea that I can do it on my own and I have to fully accept this gift that's been given to us yep. as gift of grace. So is that, is this, is that, is that sound theology or am I missing the mark? Oh,
2: no, I think you're, you're totally on there. And I think um, it's Kevin, right? Yes. Yeah. I think some of the, like the beautiful statements that we make, and I think you, you made it perfectly is, um like just that, that in like almost that self defeat, you're like, I can never be good enough. Like, I can't be perfect. I can't do this on my own. Like, that's the point of the gospel. Like, that is a, like, almost for me, like, when I hear people say that, I'm like, that is the father that revealed that to you. Like, because so often, especially for those of us that maybe grew up in more liturgical settings, there's this pressure, like, you have to be right. You have to do right. Don't do wrong. Or even in our evangelical settings, like, I think a lot of times we have a lot of shame when we talk about sin but like, man, the truth will set us free. Like when we admit that this is something in my life, like, man, like let that gift grow. Um, so Kevin, I think like your theology on that is, is, is really spot on and in, in the right track. And I'm glad you brought it up because, um, this is where Paul's talking here too, of like, just because grace abounds doesn't mean we should continue to live in these habits, in these sins, in these patterns. Um, But yeah, I think you're, you're right on the, on the, in the, in the same vein I am right now when we're talking about, um, it's a gift that God has given us. And man, when we, when we admit that, like when we can't be good enough, like, man, that's like the pressure release valve. We just opened it all the way. The pressure is off of us and it's on Christ to, to make up for that. But it's also, there's still a little bit of that. Like we're doing this with him. Like it is up to us to live in grace, to live in the truth, to say, God, I accept that you broke that relationship. My relationship with sin is different now. So I am going to do what I can to please you, even though you've empowered it and given me the truth to see it. Um, I think a lot of times we can kind of take a a, a back seat. And that's kind of what Paul's kind of encouraging the church right now is saying in this letter to the Romans, he's saying, don't take a back seat to grace, get in the, get in the front seat, like be the navigator. Like Jesus is driving the car, but you like, in your life, you are responsible for, in a sense, like dictating, what is your daily course look like? What are your road? What's your roadmap for today? Because you don't have to go backwards. We can keep going forwards. And you know what? Some days we take the wrong left turn, but that's okay. I get back on the road. So, Awesome. Thank you very yeah, much. I love that, Kevin.
1: Oh, I love all that. That's so, oh my gosh, there's so much. Just in that. Oh, I love it. How about, um, we'll go through, we've got Laura, um, MJ, Robin, I know has to jump off soon. So let me know if you want to come in earlier, Robin. Um, and we've got Yolanda up as well. So Laura, um, jump on in. Is your mic on? Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Hi, Chris. Um, so I want to I actually,
4: um, I, I don't know that this is as much a question as I'd love just to hear you speak on this and I'm going to stick with your metaphor. Um, Jesus is in the car, he says, get in the car, you know, he's in the driver's seat. Um, so I was born and raised Catholic <clears throat> and mm-hmm. I do have, a—I have an aversion. I have an, a, at this point in my life to the, the label center and Kevin and I talk about this a lot um, in a fun way. I mean, just trying to understand But, um, so where I'm at at 52 years old and in all of my, my journey, um, I believe that, um, you know, the father and I are one. So God's spirit energy dwells within me. The Christ consciousness is a a part of me. I I think that's part of the grace. That's how I understand it. And so, um, to me, so there's a distinction I'd like to hear you talk on, which is, Mm -hmm. so we sin. And some people say I'm a sinner and I, I wrestle with, well, if, if, if God's spirit is inside of me, the light is inside of me, I'm a part of the light, which, and I have grace, which makes me good. It makes me worthy. It makes me, you know, we'll just say good. And and, and then even to your metaphor, I would say I'm in the front seat with Jesus, you know, not the back seat. And so then I, I like, I feel good to say I sin, but I, but what am I, am I a sinner or am, am I part of God's light? And I choose the, obviously the latter I choose. And so I'm just curious what, what your yeah. thoughts are yeah. on the distinction of sinning or being a sinner.
2: No, that's a great um, question, clarification, or even just like, hey, what's your opinion? And I've I've come across people all over the gambit on that one. Like I pastored a, a very dysfunctional church for a year that we ended up closing. Um, right in the middle of it, Catherine and I, my wife, got married. I would not recommend anyone doing that sort of thing, but it gave us a lot of really good experience for ministry. And in one of the, I would say, dysfunctions that that church experience was almost in that vein of... A lot of people had this aversion to the idea of calling ourselves sinners. And they even wanted to remove the idea that we sin. Like instead they wanted to use the the, the phraseology of flesh patterns. Like in some ways, yes, like that does, there is some reflection from scripture in that, but then we have to also look at what Paul says about himself. Like we're, so this is Paul, the apostle. We're talking about the guy who brought the gospel to Greece, brought it, or it made its way to Rome is writing to Rome here. And Paul has this idea of like, man, I want to bring the gospel to Spain. And for them, Spain was kind of like the ends of the earth. Like Paul, like Paul has this ambition, this holy ambition. He's, I mean, most people look at Paul's life and they're like, man, I'm never going to do that much for the kingdom. And in the middle of all of it, Paul says, I am the chiefest of sinners. And so like for us, like, you know, Laura, I don't want you I don't, you know, I can't tell you how to feel, but I don't want us to ever as believers, as, as a church, like the people I get the favor of leading, like, I don't ever want people to look at the idea of like, we are sinners as a hurdle to, I mean, it is a hurdle to overcome, but I don't want that ever to be a label that keeps you stuck because we are also called saints. Like Jesus overcame our sin. So like you were saying, like, I feel like I have the light of Christ in my life. Like totally. Yes. And that is, that is the victory. But the, but the problem is like, if we even start to talk psychologically, um, we have been hardwired to live in disobedience to God. And when Paul's talking in chapter six here, like, he's like, thanks be to God that you are learning a new pattern of obedience psychologically. And, um, like we are learning new patterns that rewire our brain chemistry. There's a guy, his name's Bill Struthers. He writes a, uh, and this is just a story from my experience. Um, he writes a book called how pornography rewires the mind. And I mean, we're talking like everything in like male biology from like being more visual in nature. We, he starts to talk about like endocrines and all sorts of like wonderful chemistry things that happen in our, in our psyches and how pornography essentially wires our brain to go back to pornography, to go back to that addiction. And so when we start to take those steps away from pornography, we literally have to start rewiring the way our brain is made. And so of course, we're going to continue to sin because we've for a lot of people, but men and women, I mean, right now, I think it's the rate is 70% of um, like generation Z. So the youngest kids right now, 90% of um, young boys are exposed to pornography by like age 11. And girls are also active, or 70% of girls are active in the same in the same struggle. So like, we have a whole generation of people where pornography is basically their wallpaper, and their brains are being hardwired in this way, just because of the way our human anatomy is built for intimacy. So in, in, a, in a regular marriage relationship, super great thing, I'm getting a little off the track. So what I'm trying to say is, um, we have to rewire our brains because of that. And that's just not like a sexual sin sort of way, like that's in any area, like You've got a short fuse. Like, well, wh- why do we jump on that? Like, we have to rewire the way we think, the way we operate by partnering with Christ and his righteousness and obedience. That does it for us. And so it's by chasing after him. Like, the hope is that over time, we begin to sin less and less in those more obvious ways. But then again, like, Paul looked at his life after doing all of these amazing things and still says, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Like, Paul was keenly aware of the areas in his life that still needed to be conform to the image of Christ, not into the image of who he used to be. So I hope that kind of gives you a little bit of a context. I know it wasn't quite an outright question. And I also know I went a little off topic, Um, but the point being like, we've been hardwired to live one way in Christ. We need to start rewiring our lives spiritually and physically to live in another way.
4: Thank you. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Was that, was that helpful?
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Laura, I'd love for you to speak just really quickly if you can, um, based on what you had originally proposed, what had, um, has that shored up any thoughts in your mind around that? Yeah,
4: it has definitely when he, you know, references Paul and, you know, that he says that because, yeah, we never are, even though we have the, the light, Christ, whatever. I mean, in my, my, my perspective, even though that's in me, I'm always missing the mark. I am, I am sinning. And I think for me, I'm a word freak and I get very specific on words and word meanings. And so it definitely does. um, It smooths out the term center for me, which I have a history with that. And that's what Kevin, and I talk a lot about. And so it, yes. um, So it did, it smoothed it out for me because I would like to be able to not always react to the word center, you know, and, and to some degree, be able to be at peace that, you know, I just might be a sinner. <laughs> I just have to own that label.
1: So yes, I feel better about it,
4: actually. Thank you.
1: Excellent. All right. Robin, are you in a position to talk before you need to jump off? Uh, <laughs>
5: sure, I can try. Um, well, uh, Pastor Chris, um, I'll just tell you that I... Muted myself because I was crying through the whole time you were talking, and then when Kevin was talking, and then when Laura was talking, I'm basically crying, <laughs> um, and kind of struggling with uh, what to say. Uh, I, um, I fully believe. <laughs> I fully believe that the bible is true because i met jesus when i was eight years old Mm
2: -hmm.
5: and i think um when i think maybe i bear um guilt i'm not sure what it is because i have no problem calling myself a sinner i know that what i know all the things that i've done Um, in my flesh when I'm not, um, okay, (laughs) maybe I can ask you a question, pastor, uh, you know, Jesus is, he is grace, and he's truth, and I want to live, I want to live to please him, And I want to exemplify his character. But there's often um, a disconnect, a complete disconnect. That's what it feels like between um, walking in the spirit and just not. And I don't know how to explain it without you know, totally exposing myself here. I'll give you an example, though. Um, I have, I have, you used the term sexual trauma, and I think it hit me because I've been through it. And I know I can't erase it. But I know that Christ can. I know that Christ did. I know that 30 years of counseling has not helped me and I know that I bear a lot of anger oh my god you know just I say Lord I can't do this and I can't I can't and every day you know I see evidence of his grace and you know what okay it's a gift and I didn't earn it and I don't deserve it But I see the evidence, even as I sit here crying about only he knows what really, you know, the inner workings of my, my soul, my mind, my brain. He understands my feelings, my makeup, what I think before I think it. And I see, Grace, I'm here. You know what? I did not want to be here. I really just didn't want to be here but I thank God that I am here. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I appreciate all of you for being real. And just, Pastor, I thank you for being real, because I think there's just not enough of that in churches. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been in many, many Christian churches of all denominations, and i see so much legalism i see people just uh, pretending that they've got it together and they're missing the point they're missing christ <laughs> someone take over because i'm kind of lost in my own <laughs> head right now
2: it's yeah, totally fine robin it's i mean i just want to say thanks for being transparent and sharing and i mean you said too like hey maybe this isn't the right moment for this but Um, and I, I'm so, I, I'm so grateful to hear that you've been in counseling and I definitely, I mean, I encourage that. And actually I'll be preaching a variant of what I shared with you guys tomorrow morning. And that's one of my takeaway points is, you know, if this is something that's stuck in your life, finding a clinical Christian counselor is a good direction. You know, the Bible does not hesitate to say like there is wisdom in others and we should explore that and find that. Um, so I'm grateful to hear that. And, you know, maybe it seems like you guys have a pretty tight net of people on the call today. So maybe afterwards finding someone to just talk to you about it, but Robin, you know, your story, I think is more common than not. And I think you're right. I think it's a little bit of a tragedy that in our churches, we don't, we don't know how to talk about these topics. Um, I'm just reminded right now. I, I've been reading um, through the Psalms and through David's life, and there's the the the, the story of where I think I believe it's Amnon, one of David's sons, abuses Tamar, one of his daughters. And after after the deed has been done, she says, "How am I going to get rid of my shame?" And that is, I think, for anyone who's experienced any sexual trauma, like that, is so the just the feeling, the undertone of life is, "How do I get rid of this?" And like that's the beauty and grace of God is that in this life or in the next, it will be rid of and because we will be made new creations. Um, so no, Robin, I will be praying for you as soon as this this call wraps up. Um, after we officially stop recording, maybe we'll just take a quick time to pray together
3: Thank you. and I want to you know, Robin and I want to you know double down on what the pastor's saying here you know we're we're all you know, saints, sinners, and sufferers, right? Mm -hmm. We are, we are, we are all of those, right? Each one of us. And uh, don't forget the saint part of that, right? You identify with the sinner, you identify so strongly. And that's, you know, when it's, it's it's wonderful that you recognize your, your need to rely on God. But don't just, dear, don't forget that. Don't forget that you are a saint, that he loves you, his grace has washed away all of that right and and accept it and believe it and grow in that and uh you know dear i you 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 are you are beautiful in the eyes of god you are gorgeous in the eyes of god and uh believe that know it see it amen
1: amen and i and i i like um, the practicality, Pastor Chris, on how you talked about like the actual rewiring of our brain. I mean, there's we've been given these physical bodies to deal with. <laughs> it's part of the adventure of being a human on this planet. Is uh, okay. How do we how do we live this life that we're called to live, but deal with the bodies that we have? <laughs> And my, our brains are part of that and rewiring it. And there are ways science has been able to, you know, get better and better at actual ways to rewire the brain. And, you know, there's habits involved and there's a lot to that. So, um, how the whole nother conversation, but, um, I, you know, I, it's, to me, that's hope just knowing that it's, um, it's very possible. And it, it, of course (laughs) it, it's, it's, but it's, it's intentional work as well. It's intentional work as well. And um, wow. Okay. Let's uh, thank you all. You guys are so beautiful and amazing and awesome. the awesomeness that's, that's where I come from. Always. The awesomeness is in us. It is in us. And we, we, it's just living this life of uh, how do we come from that, Life of love and uh, wade through all the garbage. My latest, my latest is this three-dimensional web of, you know, of sin or garbage or whatever it is. You know, how do you get out of it if it's, you know, you you reach through this three-dimensional cobweb of sin and garbage and whatever and you know cobwebs you can't shake them off it's like it's all over yeah (laughs) and um, but we have that choice because we know that power is in us and when we train our mind and our change, change our thoughts and put on that helmet of salvation and okay what would Jesus do here you know Let's change the channel. Let's focus on God. What what he's in us. You know, he can do amazing things and get rid of this cobweb and turn it into a three-dimensional pool of hearts and love and puppies and whatever. <laughs>
2: whatever. So that, our, our brains of are, creation.
1: Yeah. The the our brains are powerful. Um, so thank you for that reminder, Pastor Chris. That's where my brain yeah. takes that one <laughs> um, problem all right um how about we uh yolanda then we'll go for mj yolanda you're up oh sorry i was talking i forgot
6: to unmute um you're uh, on thank you,
1: so,
6: thank you so much um pastor chris for for your words um very uh very moving me. And Robin, um, if you're still there, um, I, I I can relate. Um, uh, that's the thing that happened to me is what drew me to the Lord. Anyway, I have a, a scripture passage that um, just, uh, it helps me um, And it's from Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 7, where it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And what that reminds me of is what someone had told me once, that um, even though something like that happened to us, uh, we still we still have God's love and grace, mm-hmm. the sins that have been done to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it says forgiveness of sins, that's, that's all sins. It, it encompasses um, even those things that have been done to us. Um, then I have Acts twenty twenty four, which says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace, because his grace is sufficient for us. I'm just just in awe of of how much he does love us Mm -hmm. um, because for a long time I had a hard time um, believing that, believing that he loved me, especially because of all the things that had happened to me, it's, it's taken some time. It has taken some time, but um, I know he loves me and I know he loves you and everyone here. Um, and he cares about every detail of our lives, no matter what it is. Um, and he's there for us always. He never leaves us. That's that's pretty much all I
1: had. Thank you, sister. Thank oh, you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you all. And MJ, you are up next.
0: Well, <laughs> gosh, guys. Um, this has been a powerful hour for us. And um, you know, I, I just look at all my sins and all the things that I've been a knucklehead on and And while we were talking, the thought of, you know, Christ is being crucified and he's got two murderers next to him here on both sides. And one's mocking him. One's, you know, if you're so great, you know, just get down from this cross. And, you know, and he's mocking him. But the other one, the other murderer, who is a, a big, big old sinner, right, looks at Jesus and says, remember me remember me. It's the shortest prayer of salvation I think I've ever seen or heard of when, uh, when, you know, he and, and here's Christ and and Jesus looks at him and says, you know, today you will be in paradise. How much grace is that here? This guy is a murderer and Christ. You're going to be with me today in paradise. And I just look at that guys and I just, uh, Pastor Chris, you've done so much for us today, and I just wanted to say thanks for coming on. Is there any last comments that
2: we can kind of throw on there? I mean, the the last thing that I could even think to share is just to continue. I think for all of us, like, I think there's so much power in transparency, and I think, like, we have talked on a couple times throughout the day, it is something that's really hard to do, um, I think in our churches, you know, just as much as we are called to be um, set apart from the rest of the world, I think the the reality is that no matter how hard we try, the patterns of our world infiltrate the church. And one of the things that I think we um, are tricked into believing is that we can have our best life now. You know, I think I've heard a couple of times throughout the morning that, you know, suffering is part of this life. And. The, the fact of the matter is, we aren't waiting for our best life now. We are waiting for our best life when Jesus returns, and writes every wrong that has ever been done to us, that we've ever done, that there will be a new, a new heavens and a new earth. And the Book of Revelations describes a a city that comes that is filled with community that is filled with wholeness and healing. It says that the tree of life will be the healing for the nations, basically all the communities and that communities are made of people. So there's healing for all of us. And so, I mean, that is the best life I think for us to wait for. And I think that is why our hope is in Christ. Our eyes are focused on our hope of heaven. And so I think the only thing I can share today is that um, as we I think, wrap things up is let's continue to be transparent, and continue to point each other to the hope that one day this struggle this pain this what we experience now will pass and will never more be.
0: Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you all. Have a very very blessed day and for any of you listeners on the line I pray that you found yourself somewhere in this conversation and you are always welcome to reach out to us on our website god focused podcast.com. And be blessed. Know that um, you are awesome. Just keep being awesome. God is in you and uh, keep showing up for these conversations and um, explore that. Uh, explore with us um, that conversation in your life, how awesome you are. Go live that. Keep being awesome.
0: So if something's being said during this podcast, it's really pulling at your heart right now, and tugging at you right now, just say this little prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. You died for me, and thank you for coming into my life. You are my Lord and Savior. And by saying that prayer, you're bringing him that much closer to you and just saying thank you for being there always with me, Lord. So I hope we've helped in some way. Jesus is always there for you. Just use that power. Thank you for listening to the God Focused Podcast. And if we've said something today that has helped, we do have two action steps you can do with our program. Number one is we have a prayer team. If you'd like us to pray for you, just email us at godfocusedpodcast at